All right. Y'all give Johnny a hand. So we're living in this age that we, a, a time frame where we don't, you know, we have all these things and we, and there's really not a cure. So we, we're at the, you know, we, we just at the mercy of whatever happens and we try to do these things and we want these things. I just think it's a, a, an unusual time, but I think it's a wonderful time that we live in. As I've always said, historically, we live in the, a time where there's less crime Less sickness and disease than ever, and all those things ever in the history of the world. But times of peace also cause difficulties and trying times too. Because then we have to deal with other issues that we might have. I want to talk today about something that I believe is true for all of us. If you're human. And I think that we've lived in such a prosperous, prosperous age that we have been able to, for a time, avoid our humanity. For a time, we've been able to, you know, not have to face about who, or who we really are and, and how, what life really is all about. And it always takes me back to the prophet Elijah, who was one of the greatest guys that ever lived and did some of the greatest things. And one of the things that I have seen, and you know it like I do, that there are a lot of people who have to deal with depression. And I believe depression is something that is very, very real. And I'm not just talking about someone who is saddened, you know, because their car broke down or, you know, they're sad. I'm not talking about an emotion like that. I'm talking about something that is deep and people deal with it. And it's something that is real. And so I, I think that some of all, almost all people at some period of time maybe have some type of of depression, discouragement. And so I look in the Bible, and I know that the, the modern Christian paints this whole big picture. You know, one, I had a pastor recently tell me, brother, all you got to do is love. God just wants you to love. Just love, love. And I said, well, that's funny. The Bible I read says you got to hate your mother, father, sister, brother, and, and everything else, or you cannot be a disciple. So obviously you can't just love. you got to hate too. For those that's going to go crazy, it means love less than. So, so this whole thing about what we've made Christianity to be and all that kind of thing, we, we somehow made Jesus just this happy guy. Man, he went around happy and he was just having he had no problems. He was Jesus. But he wasn't. But we've made this, you know, they, they've robbed him of his name. They've robbed him of his true teachings. And the fact is, let me tell you what the Bible says. He was a man of sorrows, much acquainted with grief. Now, i got to tell you, I'm going to warn you right up front. This is not going to be a sad message. This is a wonderful message. It's a happy message for me. It may not be for everybody, but what can I do? Do you want me to encourage you with a lie, or do you want to be set free by the truth? No, don't just tell me a lie. I don't want to. Don't tell me. I just tell me a lie. You want me to encourage you with a lie? You want me to tell you everything's going to be all right when it's not? Or do we know what the truth is? I have read and studied. He was a man of sorrow, much acquainted with grief. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. I really look, have looked at that. And all my life I've saw, seen that from a perspective that I think was inaccurate. He took upon him. Meaning this, 
He was a human, and he had upon him everything that man would ever go through. Elijah, the Bible says, was like a human that was like in all things, and experienced all things just like we do. So it kind of, I'll be honest with you, it encouraged me to know that these guys had the same stuff that you and I had to go th- have to go through, except I think way worse. We have this, this guy, Elijah. Man, I used to want to be like him. We see this, him on this high place called Mount Carmel. And this man, Elijah, man, he's, I mean, he's the man of God. I was like, man, he had a claim, won a claim in fame. And he had the reputation of being a great prophet. He would express all of his talents and all of his adversaries would be defeated. You know what I said. Johnny Johnson came back in the back today and he started laughing because my sister put a picture of me on Facebook next to the, the coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks and said that we looked alike. I said, well, I don't think I look like him, but I play like Brady. But I play like, you know, so we, I felt I had this man. He was celebrated by his peers. He had all this great stuff happening. But shortly, 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 shortly after all of that, we find Elijah under a juniper tree, and he's depressed. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. Under this juniper tree. And I always used to tell people this all the time. It's a lot easier to call fire down from heaven than it is to recover and get out from under that juniper tree. You hear what I just said? Calling fire from heaven, that's great. But now, what happens when we're under that juniper tree, I believe we have to confront our humanity. Because it's at that place that we're, no matter what we've done spectacularly or what God has done for us miraculously, it ain't going to matter because we'll still be overcome with fear and unbelief. Thank you, whoever didn't say that, because that's good preaching right there. Somebody said he wasn't depressed. He's a man of God, full of the Holy Ghost. Well, he, he said he, he wants to die. I think when a person says, I want to die, I think that's depressed. It's amazing to me. I want you to listen close to what I'm going to say. How we can have the worst of times and the best of times in a very short time period. Everything's wonderful. And with one word from somebody, everything can be horrible. At the snap of a finger. That's my world anyhow. That's what I've experienced, and I've seen it in other people. And sometimes it can happen at the same time. This dichotomy of life where in one area things are great. Man, exactly. You know, maybe you've got a great career. You've got a raise, man. You've got, you know, every, you've got like all the adulades of being salesman of the month or year or whatever it is you get up there. But you have to go home, and guess what? At home, you have a miserable relationship with your spouse. Get revered. Of all the accolades, it's, you get celebrated in your industry and your success if you do nothing but pat yourself on the back. But I believe this juniper tree is that place that people go to, and it's always a place of isolation. It's always a place of withdrawing from others. It's not good for a man to be alone. I mean, we hiding from God. All these things I've been preaching to you about and talking about who we are and finding out who the real, uh, our real identity or however you want to say it. We always go into isolation to express our fears and anxiety. We always withdraw. We go into hiding. 
And it's a place really that's lonely and the taste that we have for life is lost and there's sorrow within our innermost being. There's disappointment some reason. I believe that juniper tree, for lack of a better word or thing, is, is a place where we are broken and we have fatigue. We're just tired, man. Just, I'm, I, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. I've, I've, I've been under the juniper tree in my life. I'll tell you that much. I've been in places where I would be in a parking lot and I would walk by a car and I would hear somebody whimpering and I would look and see somebody possibly on their lunch break sitting in the car weeping. I'm like, that's a juniper tree right there. Somebody's in there crying. Some people's juniper tree is a pillow at night in their bed or in the daytime or whenever that serves as comfort as they cry or you can go to bars all around town where somebody sits to drink and they drink to excess to mask these inner feelings of despair i always wondered you know why people don't want to come to church but they want to go to a bar and this is what people tell me because they like to have fun <laughs> they're not having fun they're masking something they're there. They want to drink themselves and hide the reality of their humanity. That's why people smoke marijuana. They want to get high. And the reason they want to get high is because they're low. I want to get drunk to forget my problems, who I am. And Elijah said this. He said, I had enough. Take my life. I'm done. I'm done. Don't want no more. So I think I could safely say without, uh, without trying to read something into this story, when somebody says, take my life, I'm done, I think that's a critical depressed place. Okay, is he clinically depressed? I don't know. I don't understand those things. I don't, but I know it's real at whatever level. And I think some people have it way worse than others, just like you can have a, the flu way worse than somebody else, so to speak. I mean, I, I know that. there, But it's, it's the place where somebody who could be an encourager is discouraged. And somebody who is, that is strong is a place where they feel weak. I've got to tell you, I think uh, somebody had called me last night and said, Hey, man, it's cold in Florida. Now, this person was raised in Florida, and so they called me to ask me, Should I leave my water running? I said, It, it won't be a bad idea. Y'all know why you do that? So your pipes won't freeze? Maybe they wouldn't freeze. I don't know. But it's a good idea. And I'll tell you what, one of the best things I have for me, I, I, I do, is I think when tears are manifested, of, of tears of despair, I think it's good for us. Or let me just say it, it's good for me, and it's good for others that I've ministered to. Because I think once we get under that juniper tree, and it becomes a place of rest, and you are open to wise counsel, then all of a sudden this new perspective will come forth and emerge from a fault and a perspective of life, God, and the truth, and our own humanity. I have seen patterns in humans that, that sorrow and despair suddenly becomes a place of refreshing and restoration and, and refocusing and reinventing. And, you know, it's like you come out of that now, you know, recalibrated. And now, you're re now we're going to go from here. It's new energy that you can get from this place. 
So I know there's, good, there's places that we need. Everybody needs this place that we can go and, and dump, so to speak, and go and cry and go whatever we need to do. And I want to tell you a spiritual principle if you'll believe it. And that is this higher order and this walking in the Spirit and obeying God is perfected in our understanding and the realization of our humanity. In other words, it's strengthened in our realization of our weakness. Y'all hear what I just said? And it's the process where we can reflect and discover. Everything's going great. I'm going to tell you what. You can get off base of what the truth really is. When everything's just going wonderful and you, and you, man, you just think that, you know, hey, I, there's no issue. And most of the time, let's face it, we don't even think we need God. I mean, it may not be consciously, but subconsciously, we don't really even need God. We can just, and pretty soon we're out there on our own. Now, I don't want you to leave here today thinking I'm teaching on clinical depression because I don't understand it. And I, I don't think I could speak on that. I think there's all kinds of things. And I don't even know what that means, except I know this. That's a tough thing. For a person to have to deal with, just like many other. What I'm dealing with today is the place of us in any of our problems, we realize our humanity. And that no matter how tough you think you may be, the day is coming when you can't fix what you need done. Y'all hear me? The day is coming, as Yahshua told Peter, he said, Hey, look, just be quiet. Day's going to come. You're not going to decide where you're going to go. Somebody's going to carry you and place you where they want you to go. Some people don't, they won't get that while they're young. I can do, I don't need nobody. I don't need that. Well, you know, look what teenagers do. They, we're stupid. Just to be patient. They're going to find out and run into their humanity. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. <laughs> when... Elijah saw what was going on and that after he did all this great stuff that Jezebel was still going to kill him. He arose and the Bible says he went for his life and came to Beersheba. I also saw it was funny that he went to a place that the first four, four letters are beer. Because that's what a lot of people do. He ran to old Beersheba. She was a good old girl. <laughs> they would run to those things. He said he went for his life. What does that mean? He ran for his life. And he left his servant, stayed there. But he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested of himself that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, just take my life, for I am not better than my father's. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, that means your strength is small. So up until that time... Elijah man it seemed like he had magnificent courage but can I tell you that real courage is this it don't mean people aren't afraid they just run out there and do it anyhow you know what I mean bullets are being shot but they run out there and do it that don't mean they walk out here out there like this into the battlefield I will rescue you I have courage no they're scared to death anything that takes courage to do is people are scared to death or either they're just stupid to death so we have this Elijah up there. We think that just because he called fire down from heaven, that he really had faith in the sense that he knew it was going to happen, and he was confident that was going to happen, and he got arrogant. I think the only thing that happened to him, he got caught up in a moment. What do you mean by that? Because I believe usually when God does for us what we're asking him to do, we're surprised usually. And guess what we usually say? I can't believe it. 
<laughs> I was telling Wednesday night, I said, man, Yahweh did something. In my prayer life, you know, I usually have top five things I pray for, and then emergency stuff kind of pops in there. There's five things I'm believing God for. I ask Him every day. I knock, I seek, I ask, and I don't stop. If it don't happen today, I'll just keep knocking. Why do you do that? Because I'm smart enough to keep doing that. And the first one that I asked God to do was something that I knew was beyond my ability to do. So if it was going to happen, only God could do this. Y'all hear me? There's no way I could step in there and say, okay, I can solve this on my own power, my own ability. So I'm asking God for stuff way past my ability. I know it, but I'm pretending like I believe God has the power to do it. Now I'm being a little facetious here because when he answered that prayer, let me tell you what I said. I don't believe it. You go back right now and you check. No, you double check. You triple times check because I really, I didn't really believe it. I didn't really believe God could do it, but I was smart enough in even my unbelief to, to pretend like I believed it and kept asking God for it. Y'all make sense? That makes sense to anybody? Because, see, I think most people are in that place that they really don't, when they ask God for stuff, they really don't have faith to believe that he's, he's going to do it anyhow. I think we hope that he will. He showed courage in that because he just did it. And one of the ways that you can do that is you have to keep your eyes upon the right things. You have to keep your eyes upon God. You have to keep your mind on Him. You have to keep your thoughts upon His promises and what He said in Him. Because if you don't, when these times come, guess what's going to happen? You are going to chicken out. Because you're going to have to deal with your humanity and when you have to realize that what you need, only God can give you, that puts you in a very vulnerable place as a human being. Are y'all with me today? Huh? I mean, this guy rocked the world. He, I don't, I didn't want, you know, the prophets of Jezebel, and I mean, the, the, he, he caused it not to rain for three years, and he came back and said, I'm going to make it rain again. I mean, dude, that, that's, that's crazy. But if he was a man like, like me, who understood his humanity and understood his, the, the, the weakness and the inability to make anything happen, I guarantee you he wasn't up there just being. I thought he was being a smart aleck when he said, Hey, where's your, where's your God? Is he on vacation? One translation leader says, literally says this, What, is he on the toilet? Where's your God? I mean, I think you can get caught up in a moment without having that kind of faith that we think is faith. See, we think faith is something where you, you, we just do it and we believe it and we're confident about it and we don't worry about it ever again. There's, that's a process. But in our humanity, we still have the ability to be afraid. We still have the ability to get out of that juniper tree. When he saw that, it says, he arose and went for his life. He looked at the wrong thing. David looked at the wrong thing. Look at what happened to him. He, he shouldn't have looked at Bathsheba. He was looking at the wrong thing. I don't think he thought much about it. I don't think he looked at Jezebel and looked at the prophets of Baal and looked how difficult the situation was. I don't think, I think if he had, I don't think he would have taken the steps of obedience and faith in God that he'd been doing all these other years and doing it by faith, unmindful of yourself. Man, I look back on things I did as a young man. I'm like, I, I was crazy. 
I mean, I would just do stuff, just say stuff and be stuff. And I mean, it was just crazy because I didn't look at the wrong thing, so to speak. I mean, this dude got fed by raisin, ravens. He got sustained by a cruise of oil that never was depleted. He had a handful of meal in a barrel that was constantly and miraculously renewed. I got to tell you, so have I. My God has supplied all my needs, exceeding and abundantly above all I could ask or think. Anybody got that testimony today? That God's never failed us, that he supplies all this stuff. But you know what? When we get to this place, if we, you know, when we discover our humanity and we're afraid, it, it really uncovers us for what we are, and that don't even matter. We, we don't even look at that anymore. We don't even remember how good God has been in spite of us. Well, I know he did that, but it's in mine. I don't know what I said then. The widow's son was resurrected from the dead. I mean, to have the faith in God to say, hey, you know, man, I'm, I'm hungry. And you go up to a little widow woman who's got nothing left but a, something to make, a little cake for her her son so they could die. And you have the faith in God because of you've looked and you continue to remember what he's always done, who he is, what he is, and you look at her, okay, that's great. But fix me one first. <laughs> Some of you know you can get in trouble just doing that at home. Yeah, yeah, well, take care of me first. And that, of course, it wasn't his attitude. He had such eyes on God that this whole idolatrous nation of Israel fell on their faces because the power of God was so manifest in his confrontation with the prophets of Baal that this is what they said, Yahweh, he is God, Yahweh, he is God, Yahweh, he is God. I'm wondering what people think when they look at how I handle adversity. Do they say, wow, Yahweh, he is God. Or do they say, you're just no different than anybody else. What about when they look at me? Do they see a man of God that they respect and that they love and they have seen that in the adversity and in times of whatever went through, yet he remained faithful whether he had faith or not? Because that's one of the greatest ways to have faith, and that's to be faithful. These were people who were moody, grumpy, pouty. I mean, all these negative stuff. Yeah, yeah, we said, blah, blah, blah. What a lesson this is for me. And I hope for you in the count of this man who did see the power of God. The Bible says, more blessed those that have not seen and yet believed. He saw it. He saw it. But yet, he got discouraged. And here's the warning I want you to remember. He was a man of like passions as you are. You are no different than every other human. Do you hear me? Everybody here has their own issues. We all struggle. I don't care what show somebody puts on. You think something high of somebody and you think they got it together. All you got to do is meet them personally in their own environment for just a little bit of time. And you'll walk away saying, man, I thank God I'm not that. I thought I was screwed up. The world is screwed up. The world wants to, I don't want to say this, change their sex identity. Need I say anything else? I said, need I say anything else? All right. Cut that off and put that on. Hallelujah. That's all I can say right there. Sorry, honey. 
He was a man of like passions in his triumphs and his exploits. Wherein, when God blessed him, and he was a man of like passion in the path of discouragement that he was pursuing. And remember, he left. He ran away from Jezebel. He decided to take his own path. I gotta tell you this Yahweh's promises are given to people like Elijah. And if he did it for Elijah, he did it for you and I. Oh, hear me? I always want to know, what, is the, what are we rooted in? What, is our, what are these feelings we have that, that can't, steals us of our joy and our peace? I think they're based in self-identity at some level. I'm not saying there's not physiological things and there's not chemical things. I'm not saying that. But Elijah parted from the path that God marked out for him to follow. And this is what happens. It always happens. I said, what about me? What about me? I've got to take care of me. What about myself? I, a self-centeredness always comes over a person. It's one of the hallmarks of discouragement is when our mind is not on him. And mind is on us and our circumstances. Poor us. What are we going to do? Well, it's just only been 10 minutes. You know, the car will heat up in a minute. I, mean, I, I, I ran my car for about 15 minutes. I got in it. It was still cold. That's because I have a junkie car. My wife's got a car. She can crank from inside the house, turn the heater on. I mean, whatever. And she, she does this one thing, and a valet jumps out of her car. No, no I'm just kidding. I just got an old, old Jeep. Don't even have a backup camera in it. And when you're old, how many of you know, especially after back surgery, you, you just have to go back till you hear glass crack. That's all I'm saying. See, some of y'all can say, yeah. And really, I got to say this. And I'm sorry, but Elijah... Felt sorry for herself. He felt sorry for herself. Poor me. This is so horrible. Compared to what? Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, he's speaking out of experience. <laughs> what did he do? When he decided to run away and disobey God and not go the path God has and choose his own path, he took his life into his own hands and he took a suicide trip into the wilderness and how, what do you say that, Johnny? What does that mean? He only took one day's provision to go out in the wilderness. He was an idiot. Here I go. He knew where he was from. You can't go into the wilderness a full day's journey without enough provisions to take care of you. So he's probably saying, you know, what's the King James say? Screw it. I'm out of here. No, I'm out of here. Oh, little challenge here. Got your eyes on a problem. Here's one little problem. One little problem. And we make it like the worst problem of the whole history of the world. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to keep my eyes on God. The one when I caught fire down from heaven. The one that supplied all of my needs. Who delivered my family. Who All those things. I'm going to keep my eye on him, I think. And I'm not going to discredit him. I'm going to give him a little bit of time. Because my, it's only been a little time for me. I was, he finally got to that juniper tree. And that's when he said, look, I'm no better than my fathers. Don't you identify yourself with your fathers. You hear me? Don't you identify yourself with your fathers. Because there's a good chance they probably failed you. Even if they were the best father in the world. When we're young, they're all stupid. And I know some wonderful fathers. But I sure am not going to identify myself and especially say, I'm not any better than my fathers. 
I'm not worthy of this either. That's just who I am. It's in my blood. It's a snail grove thing. You know, we're all this. That's what they did. You tell me, I'm going to tell you something. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I decided I chose to break that curse. Did God break that curse, Johnny? No. I broke it, Danny. I broke that curse. Handed down to me. I'm Snellgrove, man. I'll tell you right now. If, you know, I wouldn't be married right now if I was like my daddy and his daddy and who knows what else. And listen, I'm not saying they were bad people, nothing like that. I'm just saying that I made a choice. I didn't have to pray to God for me to make, not follow my fathers. What do you say? I've had enough. Take away my life. I got to tell you this. That as bad as it's ever gotten serving God, it was never as bad as one five-minute period of living in sin. And I see so many people, when a little persecution comes, they're ready to quit God, blame God, everything's God. I, I told my wife this the other day. I told this to a person who said this about one of their loved ones passing away. Why did God make, let this happen? So come here. Excuse me. What did you say? It was a lady. Lady probably maybe my age. Maybe not quite as old. Why did God make this happen? I said, God? You're blaming God for letting something happen? I said, you don't even believe in God. He said, what do you mean? I said, do you tithe? She said, no. I said, you don't believe in God. Do you even go to church? No. <laughs> so you're going to blame God for not doing something when you won't do anything that he requires to prove you believe. Now, I don't know if that even makes sense to anybody. All the smart people will get it. <laughs> I'm hoping. It amazes me. God did this, God did it. Well, God, did, God ain't the one who stops you from doing what you're doing. So you want God to be great and stop this when you're not willing to let him be great enough to stop you? Because you don't fear him enough to think he's that great. So then you want him to be great, and you want him to be great. Get a close-up on me, <laughs> You know, I'm like, I want, to, I want to start smiling more up here. I smile, I smile out there. I was like, see, let me tell you what. He thought, he spoke as though he knew when it was enough. This is enough, God. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Deliver me now. I'm out. I want to tag out. He wanted, he wanted, he thought he knew when it was enough. As though, and he also did as though he knew when he should die. Now, the truth is, discouragement, depression, can absolutely bring that to our, our lives. And again, I'm talking about people who get discouraged and depressed about the circumstances in their life. Fortunately, Elijah served the true God. And this true God is a God of love and mercy. Hello. Did I tell you about God's love and mercy? I love this scripture. My dad used to quote this scripture, and I probably understand it now better why he did. So he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. See, Yahweh ain't just the God of triumphs and victories. We're overcomers, look at what we've done. Oh, we know this, we know that. He's our God. He, hey God, he ain't just, he is still God. In the times that we cast our confidence away and cave into the pressure. I say cave because that's where he wound up. In a cave. Many times in my walk, I got to tell you, I've cast away my confidence and I've caved into the pressure. But this is what I learned. 
I don't have to do that. It's my privilege to keep on trusting and obeying God because I know he's a God of love and mercy and he's long-suffering and patient. All the things that he says he wants me to bear in my life, can I tell you something? That's his character. Long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. You don't think Yahweh is that way? And so in my walk, I've, you know, I've always said this, it's easier to raise a man from the dead to have faith for that than it is to believe that God really forgives you when you do wrong. And can't not only forgives you, but can't even remember it. So when you say, oh yeah, God, I still feel guilty and I'm bad about that. He's going to say, what are you talking about? It's one of the first things I had to learn about who God really is. The good thing is I didn't just stop at that and excuse, use that as an excuse to continue to sin. You can, you can get in your problem. You can get under the juniper tree. But listen, what? That, don't, that don't ain't going to change that God's still God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even when my heart condemns us, the Bible says God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. We may fail at times, but God will never fail you. He looked at his discouraged, exhausted son sitting underneath that juniper tree and God pitied him, touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Yahshua, a man of sorrows, most acquainted with grief, he's felt all what you've gone through now. He's felt your discouragement. He's felt abandoned to God. Where are you? What are you going to do? Lord, don't leave my soul in hell. Don't let me stay dead. Raise me up, please. You know, so we think Yahshua was just this guy that, you know, skip de dee doo da Oh, guess what? 33 more days, and I get to get crucified. Woo, I can't wait. If I knew that I was going to be crucified any time in the future, it would, it would mess with me every day of my life. I'm like, hey, man, isn't that great? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, 32 more days. It would rob joy from me. God understands these places. But I want us to understand God when we're in these places. God disregarded this stupid prayer of discouragement that, <laughs> oh, that Elijah prayed. All right, I'm done now. I'm ready to die. I'm quitting. I ain't no better than my father's. It almost reeks a little bit of wanting some pity. For me, I've done insinuating. I've done all that for you, God. You know what I've done for you. I have been literally stupid enough. And just to be personal, you know, when my son Jonathan was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, I went to see him in the hospital. I was out of town, came home. He was in intensive care. They said he should be in a coma. He's like, I don't know what his blood sugars level were. He just played drums that Sunday morning. We, were, we didn't understand it. If I come home, we get, a, we get to the hospital. They, they release him. He's got type 1 diabetes. You don't inflict that on yourself or anything. You, know, you can eat what you eat or nothing. It's just something you can't. It just happens. So I go into his room. He gets home. He's in his bedroom. I go in there. I said, I said man, I said, you scared? Nah, not, you know, a little bit. And this is what I started saying. Well, I'm telling you, I'm with you. And I'm just going to, whatever you eat, I'm going to eat. I'm not going to eat anything with sugar anymore. If you can't eat anything with sugar, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to walk with you, son. Whatever you have to go through. How, that, how do y'all think that worked out? Huh? He said, is that banana pudding? <laughs> I saw your Facebook post today. Did you see my response? I'm in. I'll drive. 
They have a banana pudding festival in Georgia, April the 2nd. No. No, you stay home and eat salad. Can I tell you that that was my zeal to start with? <laughs> I'm not making fun of this. I'm just telling you how ridiculous uh, we can be. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. You can't have bread? <laughs> I didn't think it out. You know, I can't have sugar or bread or cake, cookies, pies, ice cream. And why, why, would, why would I want to live then? But I'll tell you what I did. I got real serious. And we had checkbooks then. And I got my checkbook and I went outside the house and I said, I, I put that checkbook up there and I told God, Do you know what I've done for you? Do you know I was giving my life and served you? Sold everything, gave up everything for you. Yeah, what? Sin, jail, drunkenness, stupidity, divorce, hatred. Isolation, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? But somehow there was something in me that thought I had done something so great. And you owe me. Now that's not a parable. And I've probably done it in other ways when adversity comes. And God doesn't do what I want Him to do when I want Him to do it. When God doesn't do what I want Him to do when I want Him to do it. Kind of what I think Elijah did. Do you know? He disregarded Elijah's foolish prayer of discouragement. And I thank God, I can tell you today, he, he disregarded my stupidity. I wish I could tell you that Jonathan don't have diabetes anymore. I can't say that because he does. But I got to tell you, he fought a good fight. He, he fought a good fight. And he sent his angel to feed his worn out servant. Do you not see that God's still got it under control? Look, I'm going I'm to feed you with ravens, but don't you know God's got a cake baking for you at that little widow woman's house? Oh, hear me today. Don't you know that God's it's, it's His hand not only going to deliver you now, but He's going to give you a second touch. There's marvelous strength in God's heavenly provision. There's perceptive and loving insight from God. All right, I don't want to wear you all out. I want to finish with this. The kindness of God and His mercy to this faint-hearted servant, this is my observation, did not cure Elijah of his discouragement. I was like, and he didn't start down the road of discouragement because God somehow didn't bless him. Matter of fact, it was the opposite. Falling fire down from heaven. Hey, I got to tell you, there's a guy that called me the other night, and we got to talking. He lives out of town, and he said, hey, why do you think that people don't get healed anymore? No miracles. <laughs> I put it on him, didn't I, honey? I said, hey. Well, number one, nope, none of the disciples, anybody ever used the name Jesus to do anything. That's number one. I mean, you know, so I put, I put it on him immediately, and I began to talk to him about you know, how people feel and, and I mean, how, how that works and, and the ecclesia and the time that frame that we're living in prophetically and all those kind of things. And so when you see that Elijah had all this, all of this wonderful, miraculous things happening to him, calling fire down from heaven, I told this man on the phone, if I were to have w- one person get a miracle, let's say I go see Stevie Wonder 
and I lay hands on Stevie Wonder. And Stevie Wonder can see. How many of you know that my life would immediately from that point be ruined? I wouldn't be able to go anywhere. I'd have to hire helicopters and, and a SWAT team and all that. Because even in Yahshua's time when he did it, they, it was so crowded in a place, they, they let a friend of theirs down through the roof. You would never get any rest. You would always, people would always come and want your autograph, so to speak. And guess what? It would ruin your life too. Because you'd probably think you're something that you're not. Based on one miracle. How many of you know you never have to work another day the rest of your life? People would send you money and cars and you'd get anything you wanted because Stevie Wonder was once blind, but now he could see. But that be, why don't God just do that and prove to everybody? I'll tell you why. Because people that need a miracle are going to need one tomorrow too to prove that God exists. That didn't, that didn't take him, take his, uh, the pain of his discouragement away. This is one of the things that I've had to learn I used to keep begging God, please have mercy on and to heal and to revive. And, and he's doing all that in his place. That is his place to do. But I'm going to tell you, God's got a bigger plan for you than just answering your every whim and need and, and, and things that you need about who you are and all that. Does he care about us? Sure he does. But I want you to know that he cares more about the long, the long, the big picture in the long run. And I'm going to say something and I, won't, I don't want to lose you on this. I want you to consider that usually we have to come to the grips with the fact that usually we've chosen to be discouraged. That's what I found out. That there was something in me that chose me to be discouraged and quit trusting God and doubt God and be afraid and all that. And so I had to find out what's the, what is the answer to this dilemma for me being up and down? Serve God next to not serve God. Serve God. I mean, there's a, there's a psychological term for that that, that that people have. But I think there's a spiritual faith aspect to where the mountain and then we're in the valley. And the mountain and the valley. The Bible says he's going to make the high places and the low places come together. So we won't have be like children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine. Don't let a double-minded man think he'll receive anything from Yahweh. Are y'all hearing this? So in my walk and learning how to get out of discouragement, because I get discouraged a lot. I mean, it's not every day all the time, and it's not as bad as it used to be, because I realize, oh, that's just me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's just me. But I learn that in some weird way, I'm the one that's chosen to be discouraged. And this is what I learned, that I'm going to have to learn how to choose to not be discouraged. That ain't going to happen to me. You know, I'm not talking about, you're you going to get discouraged and, and sad when a loved one passes away. Of course you are. We're going to have these moments. But I'm talking about my concept of God, what the future holds, whether he's going to answer my prayer or not. God, let me tell you what God ain't going to do. He will not operate your will for you. Write that down. That's your job. He helped you with it, thank God. But he ain't going to do it for you. That's why I told you earlier, I choose to break the curse in my family. God helped me with it. But I had a will. I want to tell you, I, I know people have a very strong will. And they're going to they gonna get it done. Hell or high water. Do you all know those people? 
So what would Elijah do now after receiving such a divine impartation of strength? God's done all these things for him. God's blessed him. He did miracles. He does that. How many of you know that we look back and we see God's done all these things, but somehow we wind up in the place of discouragement and not the ability to trust God? We have to look at it and say, whoa, wait a minute. What this guy did, he went further down the path of discouragement. And guess where he wound up? Forty days. And 40 nights, he went down the path that he chose, that he chose, that he chose. He willfully made a decision to go down this path. And he ended up at the Mount of God called Horeb. And I'm going to close with this, if that gives anybody comfort. Listen to me. It's the place that when we choose, that we always go to. It's the place that most of us will do on our own. Elijah was from Horeb. And what did he do? He went back to his roots. He went back to his vomit. He went back to his mud. I mean, how many times? He backslid. He went back. And what's he going to do? Somehow, people think that their serving God isn't better than not serving God. I said, well, have fun at that. Because I remember... When I met you, you were screwing around on your wife at the point of divorce. Drunkard. But Yahweh came and turned your life around. Don't tell me. I've seen it. And I can testify for myself. I'm way better off than I was when I didn't serve God. He went back to his roots. And guess what? He caved in. And the reason I say that is because the Bible says he found a cave there. And guess what? He lived in the place where he caved in, where he gave up, where he quit, where he decided, I'm going to do my own thing, blah, 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 everything I'm talking about. The place of discouragement. The fact is, he should have already been dead. That journey was too great for him anyhow. But guess what God did? He made it possible for him to travel over a month into the wilderness where the truth had been given. Mount Horeb was Mount Sinai, and he went back there, and that's where the law was given. Even in his running away from God, God said, now I got you where I want you. Tell you, I've made that trip, that pilgrimage in my mind, in my life. And I can tell you, it's torturous. It's torturous. How did I get here? (laughs) I walked there. I chose that. I crawled in the cave and I was going to stay there. And when I was in that cave, I've been in that cave a lot in my life over all these years. My Yahweh took pity on me, and he spoke to me in a still, small voice while I was in that cave. He didn't leave Elijah to sit there and brood in the cave. The Bible says, Behold, the word of Yahweh came to him. Behold, the word of Yahweh came to him. Behold, the word of Yahweh came to him. And he said unto him, What are you doing here, boy? Johnny Christ version. What doest thou here, Elijah? Now I want you to remember what I've been preaching to you this whole year. Adam! Where are you? Now God says to us, what are you doing here, boy? I remember years ago, I preached, used to preach a message about the uh, Jewish woman who was bowed over for 18 years. And when Yeshua met her and came across her, 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 he said, what are you doing? Daughter of Abraham shouldn't be bowed over for 18 years. I think that's a good question. The revised version of the Johnny Christ Bible says this. What in the hell are you doing here? 
Johnny, really? What are you doing here? And I come face to face with my humanity, thinking that somehow that I know the right way to go and I'm going to work this out and I'm going to fix this. See, let me, let me tell you what happens that people usually, what they're usually mad at. Because when you get to the reality of those things that you have no control over, that's when you get scared. Because, but let me tell you this, you never had control to start with. The real problem is that you're, you, don't, you can't control it. You face your humanity. Guess what? You can't control nothing. As humans, you don't know that you're going to be here in the next breath. You don't know if you're going to walk out there and freeze to death. I probably will because I hate it. But I want to tell you this. You don't know, but you think you do. You think all of this time, you thought you were doing this and you were making this happen with your children and with your husband and with your marriage and with your job and your money that you had something to do with. And I want to tell you, it was the love and the mercy of your God who went before you, who had his hand upon you out of his pity for his son and daughter. And that's why I can come in here and say, yeah. And what goes along with that is the peace to know this. Well, if I didn't control it and make it happen and God did, then guess what I'm going to do? I had somebody tell me. Now, i got to tell you this quick story. Nowadays, man, these insurance companies, they don't want to give you no money. I mean, they don't want to cover you. And I didn't like my insurance company this year. We had a, got hit by lightning, and I had a difficult time. I tell people this. Last year, I had a kidney stone. I had COVID. I had heart, uh, a heart, uh, yeah, heart valve, open heart surgery, and I had a back surgery all in that year. But nothing tormented me more than having to deal with that insurance company. And it wasn't the insurance company. It was the ones, the third party that did the, uh, what, do they, what do they call those people, Chris, that when you appraise the job or something? Adjuster, yes. And so these adjusters, man, I'm going to tell you what, and I probably was difficult to deal with. So anyhow, this, this uh, insurance company this year, when it came due, which I hope you all going to help me pay that this year, at a good rate. But he said this. He said, uh, he said Johnny, listen, the fact is, this third-party company, 95% of all the insurance companies in Florida use them. I'm like, oh, geez. I said, well, which one charges the least that <laughs> uses them? Because if I'm going to have to go through that hell again, I just might, I'm, let me just pay little as I can. So he said, well, listen, I want you to understand something. The insurance company you used to have won't, won't insure you anymore. Why? And we, we, we shopped it to another insurance company. They won't use it anymore because of roofs. I want to tell you something. I, Irma, Irma got me a brand-new 50-year roof. But these insurance companies, if your roof ain't right, they won't insure you. So I got to talking to some people about, y'all see, you know the size of this roof? Huh? You know, here I am. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get out of debt here and get this paid off and all this, you know. And so, and all of a sudden, I, I, I hear this. And so a roofing expert told me, yeah, I mean, I, and I hate this guy. He comes to our church, but I hate his guts. They just moved into a new house. They get moved in. I ain't going to tell you what, the, what uh, Connie's husband's name is. And he said, yeah. I said, man, somebody told me it might cost $100,000. And he said, well, I probably ain't right. I said, good. He said, probably more like $250,000. $250,000. So next Sunday, we're going to have rent, a, 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 what do you call it? A, a shingle? We're going to buy a shingle, you know. <laughs> anybody, anybody got some shingles? Hey. And so somebody, I think it was Dick, we were talking about that, and Dick was, we were talking about it, and he said, well, 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 you know, what about that? I said, that's Yahweh's roof. 
You know what I just said? I ain't worried about that. That's Yahweh's roof. And of course, I told Reggie, you better have a bunch of your good friends come up here and make some donations up here on this place. But I, this is Yahweh's roof. That's Yahweh's son. That's Yahweh's daughter. That's Yahweh's. Don't, don't get into the place of discouragement this morning. God is a God of knowledge. What are you doing here, Johnny? He knew that the key to the solution was in Elijah's willingness to take action, to do what? To go in the right direction, rather in the direction that he's been going. Couldn't Elijah have chosen to return to Israel with that strength that God gave him under, at Horeb, that second touch when the angel came and touched him, instead of using that strength to go back to do what God called him to do, he takes off and goes to the cave. There's a time to sit still. And there's a time to know that God is God. But I have learned that when I'm in that state and under that tree and in, I'm distressed and discouraged and disappointing and have doubt, that ain't the state I want to be in. Be still and know that I'm God. No, I got into that discouraged path by my own efforts. And I'm going to get myself out in the name of Yahshua and get back on that path. And I'm going to get my eyes off of the circumstances and off of what I know. And I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. The Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm not going to forget all that God has done and that he's never failed me. And he's never did it when I wanted him to do it necessarily. You think for a minute that at this period of my life, that I want somebody to charge me another $250,000 for anything but a Lamborghini? It's Yahweh's roof. Y'all hear me? When Yahweh asked that depressed man of God what he was doing there, all the bitterness, the self-centeredness, the utter disconnect with, with God's promises and those self-perceived hopelessness, self-perceived hopelessness of that old prophet just like I've done and I'm sure you probably have he just busted out and this is what he said I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars uh, anyway he goes on he's basically saying what I said he got that checkbook and he said this and I'm saying and this is what happens when we get to that place then we want to lose our faith and it's fatal to our faith but this is what I love. Yahweh won't argue with you in that place. This is what he said. Go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord. And here's the last thing I want to say. And I'll turn that off so I won't go back to it. Because there's so much great stuff on it. You've got to learn how to serve God without your feelings. Listen to me. Look at me. Your feelings will lie to you. We had a beautiful time one other Wednesday night, you know, and we were talking about how we can feel like we're not, we're, not, we're not wanted, we're not in the right place, nobody cares about us, we can feel disconnected, sometimes even in our own homes, right? I mean, that's real. Yeah. Well, what's wrong? You don't like me no more? Whatever it may be, it's that, it's that thing. So what do we do? We, faith is not feelings. Well, I just don't feel like, well, no, that's your problem. Quit feeling. They're lying to you. Your feelings lie to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, look, your feelings lie to you. Now tell them, say, don't say that, you hurt my feelings. you got to learn to obey God and do what God says when you don't feel it. That's faith. Well, I don't feel like God's here. Well, that's right. He sure don't. 
But you know what? Ten minutes later, you can feel good. How many of you know if you're posting on Facebook and there's a small number of likes on your post, you can feel that you're not important and you can feel like nobody cares about you and you're worried about that person. Do they love you anymore? They, what about this person? Whatever that person. What about this? And you're so depressed and you're sad and feel dejected. And you wait a while and you open up your computer and still not many. You don't know your computer screen froze on that. But then before you go to bed, you just check one more time to see if it's going to be okay. And you look and they like you. Can I tell you something? That may seem stupid, but it happens in a lot of areas. That same root. Feel bad? Oh, you do love me. Feel good. How many know that our feelings are fickle, but our faith is consistent and we serve God? whether we feel like it or not. We're going to serve God no matter what. God, I'm going to serve you. Now, to work that out, and those, we get to learn about who we are. That's all I'm going to tell for y'all. Y'all going to have to send your money to hear the end of this. And it's the best part. Bye. I'm waiting for the sign.